0: I think you have to be willing to like create the evil twin version of whatever you're doing that could just crush it, right? So, like, if you're creating, um, you know, luxury brand, brand A, then you need to create soup whatever's going to disrupt that. So, the only way for a government to create a token that can appreciate more than the value of USD that isn't just absolutely pegged to the value of uh, USD is is for them to do something that's like for them to create a token that's willing to disrupt USD and i just don't see them doing it cuz now you've got to like figure out how you're going to denominate stuff at the governmental level you have to figure out like taxes you have to figure you know you've got two quote currencies for everything you're doing you have to denominate it in, in, in two different ways i just i just don't think it's going to happen i just you know i think there's lots of uh, there's there there are some governments that innovate more than others but usually the most innovative governments are not the largest ones like it's, it probably it'll come from estonia or something i don't know
1: welcome to Fringe fm the podcast that explores the edges of human understanding and looks at the technologies, trends, and societal norms shaping our collective future. Here the world's top minds share their insights and predictions on the convergence, direction, and ethics of exponential technologies transforming life as we know it. You can learn more and stay up to date at fringe.fm. We're living in the era of the internet monopoly. Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple. These massive tech companies control our world and our lives. Today, we're diving deep into the nature of the internet and where we're headed from here. We've got Clay Collins on the program. Clay is one of the top internet marketers in the world. Clay Collins is the founder of Leadpages, one of the leading landing page companies worldwide. The company raised $38 million and has grown incredibly successfully. Clay's presented on stage at some of the largest internet marketing conferences. He's been featured in documentaries such as Add to Cart, alongside marketing pioneers like Gary Vaynerchuk, Tucker Max, and Frank Kern. many many others more recently clay's been focused on blockchain in the cryptocurrency space where he's the founder of nomics which produces a free crypto market data api for enterprise level crypto investors and runs the flippening podcast a top three crypto investing podcast if you haven't checked out fringe.fm's list of top podcasts to check out flippening's on there we highly recommend it if you're interested in blockchain in today's episode we discuss how blockchain and cryptocurrency threaten the current political order where clay sees us headed in terms of the internet and more why clay would bet it all on bitcoin the future of governance and governments, why blockchains are still a long way off from mass market adoption and success, and what futures Clay is most worried about. And now without further ado, I give you Clay Collins. You probably know I'm big on biohacking and trying to make myself the best I can be. That's why I'm excited about what the guys at Neurohacker Collective and Daniel Schmachtenberger, who was previously on the podcast, are doing. They're some of the smartest biohackers on the planet, and their Qualia line of brain enhancing nootropics make it obvious why. You guys can get 15% off any order, or with a subscription, 50% off and 15% off every future order by going to disruptors.fm slash Qualia, that's Q-U-A-L-I-A, and using coupon code disruptors at disruptors we're big on health and biotech for a reason it amplifies everything disruptors.fm slash qualia use coupon code disruptors and now let's get on with the program
0: we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things not because they are easy but because they are hard
1: what's harder raising twins or building a venture scale business and exiting it
0: oh oh definitely it's b- building a venture scale business. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've I've heard people say things like, um, you know, relationship will be the hardest thing you ever do, or being a parent. And I, you know, I think a lot of that is just sort of, sort of the fundamentals of being, or trying to be a good person. You know, love your kids, pay attention to them. You know, same, same with relationships. N- know what you're getting into. Be very clear about expectations. A-, a lot of that stuff, those things, I think, pale in comparison. <laughs> To starting a, a,
1: a be careful, your wife might be open. listening.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying that the business
1: is more important. I'm just saying that uh, it's harder. Let's just look at the odds. There's a lot more people that have kids and have twins than build successful venture businesses.
0: Yeah, I mean, even with like the huge failure rate for marriage, it's still fifty percent. Like. It's if if startups had a 50% uh, success rate, or even just small businesses, we'd be in a very different place
1: as an economy. We would be in a very different place. And I think we'll talk a bit about the economy in a bit, but blockchain, how'd you get into it? What's the story? When'd you go down the rabbit hole, so to speak? Yeah, so it was uh, in, in
0: 2013, there was a guy, who now like run security for Facebook or some part of it and uh, cloud infrastructure there. I don't know. He's done a few different things and he was really into it and he explained it to me and it just made sense. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoy economics. I tell, I tell people I really enjoy computers and money and this like brought them together, but uh, let's just say economics and uh, and computers and, and it brought them together. I immediately got it. Everything, like all the high growth opportunities that have, been created for investors have have come through really the the, digits, the digitization of of uh, previously analog assets so. One example that's used quite frequently is the fact that Instagram, when it sold to Facebook, was worth more than Kodak was at the time, like by by a huge margin, by a huge margin. Same with music. So we've got Moore's law, the the doubling of of computational power every eighteen months, and that is this wave that every other technology can can surf, right? So there's just been technology after technology that's hopped on the back of Moore's Moore's law, resulted in digitization of of something that we already know, like and use, and uh, it's led to uh, new, new, and amazing opportunities, right? And then, and then there are these emergent properties that come from the digitization of that thing. So I've been, I've been passionate about, I think, Bitcoin for some time. I, I, I am a believer that every time the government prints money, they're stealing
1: from holders of USD. It's like two percent a year. It's unreal how much money it is.
0: Yeah, it's it's two percent a year, and it's not like Bitcoin where this hasn't been around very long. This is two percent a year you know, compound for a gajillion years. So it's not a great thing. And when money's printed, it it usually goes to, to banks. It doesn't go to uh, the lower or the middle class working people. And uh, the thing about money is when it's inflated, whoever gets to spend that money first gets to benefit from having the money to spend without the impact of the inflation taking hold. In fact, every successful person who spends that money gets less and less value out of spending the printed money. So yeah, so there's just so many aspects of of Bitcoin that I appreciated and, uh, you know, learned about uh, Ethereum and uh, a whole bunch of ton of other projects after that and um uh, became really passionate about the way the world was changing and this opportunity to opt out of so many things yeah i've i've heard um Andreas and Andreas I, I won't try and pronounce his last name talk about the separation of like instead of the separation of church and state the the separation of of money and state and that's something i'm i'm a big believer in so yeah it's been it's been a fun journey and uh i i i really do think that decentralized government go- governance and this new form of money is allowing folks to opt out of the traditional systems. And um, so I think the future is bright.
1: I think it's super interesting as well. If you guys are interested in this, by the way, go to fringe.fm slash YouTube. I just did a live stream today on blockchain and cryptocurrency. But looking at, looking into those, would you consider yourself a libertarian? Oh, I mean, there's such a loaded term.
0: I, 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 uh, I believe that, uh, if something doesn't harm others, you should be able to do it. Yeah. So I, I guess according to that definition, I'm a, I'm a libertarian. I think modern libertarians are some, you know, often associated with like, you know, the, the tea party, but I'd say I'm, I'm, um, Uh, monetarily and economically very libertarian. And, uh, and I'm also, I would say I'm socially very libertarian. I think, uh, I think if something makes you happy that's not hurting other people, then, uh, like maybe you don't have to worry about it, like ruining the sanctity of marriage or whatever other thing you think is being ruined. Uh, Is this going to
1: be like the Joe Rogan podcast? Are you going to be Elon and uh, light up? Are are we going to, are we going to go there? (laughs) I do. I do have uh, a
0: CBD oil, which has no, no, uh, no TAT in it or hallucinogenic properties. So I do have like some, some uh, CBD vaping stuff over there, but uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to care if I vape CBD oil,
1: 100% legal CBD oil. You rock that and I'll rock some MCT oil coffee and get the ketone kick. So what a... You're, you've been doing a lot, you've been very involved in the industry, in the blockchain space since a super successful career before that. We'll jump into that a little bit in the evolution of the internet. But what have you seen since 2013? We've seen some highs, we've seen some lows. People aren't all that excited now. Where do you see the space? Yeah, Wow. Um,
0: so I think what we're seeing is just is just uh, hyper tokenization. You know I think most people's interest is, is in, in sort of the, the public discourse is around price movement. And I, I think that's interesting. Obviously, I hold some of this stuff. I want it to go up. And uh, I, I think tokens going up funds a lot of cool innovation and, and projects. But I think that, um, you know, what I, th- I think when I first started, there was this talk about this being a new asset class. And um, I think where we sit today, I don't, I'm seeing less and less people talk about that. I, I personally don't think it's a new asset class. Like the asset classes are like debt, money. Equity, you know, and all all these things. uh, There's probably another thing I'm not thinking about, but like all these things, you know, can be tokenized. So just because sort of value is taking another form that makes it very liquid and has all these other really cool properties, doesn't mean it's a new asset class. I don't. Again, I don't think it's a new asset class. But but I'm I I think with price movement being what it is, I I think I see just a lot of people building. I'm seeing this flight of talent. Leave Silicon Valley and leave traditional startups and go to the crypto space. You don't have to look very far to see just incredible engineers and entrepreneurs and product people leaving like vertical SaaS businesses and uh, becoming attracted to the space. I think we're seeing for the very first time open blockchains that uh, anyone can analyze. Like it's it's almost impossible to get a you know a transaction history of USD, right? But these public blockchains can be mined and all kinds of really interesting data can be pulled from them. And that's, that's really cool. But I, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it the, the story is really about hyper-tokenization you know, we're, we're, we're seeing real estate being tokenized. We're seeing securities being tokenized. We're seeing funds being tokenized. We're seeing, you know, we're, we're, seeing equity being tokenized. We're seeing tokenized debt on things like Dharma. We're seeing, uh, you know, t- tokenized, uh, commodities, whether they're like sort of physical instantiations of commodities or commodities like computing power that's being tokenized. And I, I think that, uh, liquidity just always finds a way to win. And, uh, so, so I, I think probably the headline really is around, uh, hyper tokenization and maybe market caps have leveled off but the rate at which new things are being tokenized continues to to increase you know there's uh, like whether it's derivatives debt whatever
1: like this is this is happening and it's here to stay or we're not going backwards at least. <laughs> How do you think about liquidity? So you, you built a very successful business, lead pages. You built it. You raised a little money. You you raised a decent amount of money. You sold it. You made even more we money. But no, what no, do no, you no, think? No, no.
0: Transaction. Tra- we hired our COO, and he's crushing it. And it's yeah, it's it, it continues to grow. It's it's awesome. So like there
1: hasn't been like there hasn't been an exit, but uh, it's it's a nice business and it's growing. Well, it's um, still relevant. How do you think about liquidity? I imagine there were highs and lows both for you and for the investors. I know I don't see a lot of Bitcoin billionaires because people couldn't hold on to Bitcoin long enough. They had to go buy a pizza because they were worried it was going to go down. What do you think about liquidity in terms of incentivizing short-term thinking versus long-term thinking?
0: Oh, I mean, I, I think I think liquidity is one of those things where there shouldn't be caps on in, on liquidity in place merely because of like the structures are in place or the the technological limitations that are in place or regulatory limitations that are in place. So, you know, what's cool is that a tokenized asset can it can be liquid, but smart contracts and rules can be in place to make it uh, not not so liquid. So uh, it's 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 about you know is is something voluntarily or involuntarily illiquid, <laughs> and uh, you know I prefer things that are voluntarily illiquid and that become can become liquid whenever someone wants them to be. So wow, well, I have I have a lot of thoughts on on liquidity. I th- perhaps starting with with a. Uh, with disclosures, I, I think a lot of people are talking about uh, tokenizing their company without considering how much disclosure is actually required to get price discovery, like very efficient price discovery on those tokenized assets. So, like, let's say you're a coffee shop and uh, you want to tokenize equity in your business. Well, in order for that that token to trade on exchanges, like people need to know how much you're making and at least on a quarterly basis they need to have insight into how the business is operating what hires are looking like you know balance sheet all, all this kinds of stuff and it's really expensive to prepare those kinds of disclosures right especially if you can potentially be sued if they're incorrect right so i think i, I don't know that it's practical for for every single company i, I also think that there's a, a lot of Lack of illiquidity that's just creating for really that's resulting in really grumpy boards. Like if you're an investor and you invested in a company and you want to get out, like in most cases or I'd say in many cases, the company wants that investor out because they're just they're not they're not fun to work with anymore. They're grumpy. They don't want to be there. They'd rather take you know whatever money they can off the table and leave. And usually the entrepreneur wants them off the board because they you know they don't they don't want them voting. Uh, So I'm for liquidity. Uh, When it makes sense, and there's 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 just, I think there's various forms of liquidity. I think it exists on a scale, and uh, you know, on one end is like there's no liquidity at all; something can't be sold, and on the other. On the other end of this, you know, spectrum is like super deep market markets and lots of disclosure and really efficient price discovery and stuff. And then there's there's a whole lot of gray area in the middle. You know, sometimes the only liquidity you're looking for is that there's an investor and they have fifty thousand dollars worth of stock in the company and they know someone who wants to buy it and they just want to sell it to them and they can't. You know, so uh, yeah. So so there's a gradient, but I I, I think about the desire for liquidity of. But a valuable assets is kind of like, you know, tributaries to something like the Mississippi River, like the water will forge a path (laughs) to, you know, to lakes and streams or wherever it needs to go, like liquidity will find a way. To to access the greatest uh, pool of liquidity possible, and uh, it's 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 almost like a natural law or something.
1: It will, but is the qu- the question is is that a good thing? So I've seen I've seen polls. It's somewhere between sixty to eighty percent of public market CEOs are willing to pass on investing in something they guarantee will have future growth to be able to make the short term stock prices look better because that's how they're incentivized because of liquidity.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, like it, it, I I don't think liquidity is a binary thing. You can you can put whatever protective measures you want in place. You can put whatever restrictions you want in place. You can have vesting, you can have cliffs, you can have like whatever you want to do, you can do it. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about like, are, are the current systems in place, you know, are they voluntarily illiquid and are there ways to sort of calibrate, you know, can you, can you open and close Liquidity and sort of find that that sweet spot on the liquidity spectrum, and uh, that's just something that's not possible with um, you know stock certificates sitting on a shelf somewhere or you know whatever else folks are doing.
1: Yeah, it's hard to, hard to restrict the movement of monopoly yeah. money. What do you think about government or corporations co-opting the the crypto or the blockchain movement? Oh, I I mean I don't I don't know that it can be co-opted.
0: You know, probably I, I think I think uh, markets want to be open. And I think that the control is so decentralized that, uh, uh, over time it's just going to be harder and harder for state actors to, to exert control in the space, especially if you've got all these like cantankerous, uh, curmudgeony, you know, anarchists and, uh, crypto anarchists and libertarians who like bristle at anything you say to them on Twitter. Like these, these are not a group, you know, and many of them are heavily armed. So this is like, this is not a group of people that I think is, uh, prone to be influenced by government and, and there's so many different stakeholders. And, and uh, I think that the, the governance is so multifaceted and, and, uh, and, and complex. I, I just, uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, I, I don't know what you mean by co-op, but uh, are, are you talking about like sort of the state issuance of fiat currencies? Yeah. So a state
1: issuance of digital crypto-esque oh. currencies, whereby, whereby the kind of the cream of the crop, what everyone's shooting for the global money supply is no longer oh, up, yeah. for, up for demand. Oh, I mean,
0: psh. I'm like, you can't stop a government from printing money. So, I mean, I think what most governments will do with blockchain is going to be roughly similar to just how digital cash works right now. You know, you can log into your website, to your bank's website, and you can see a number on a screen and you can use Venmo and you can send it around. You know, this this stuff being digital isn't what's, you know, what what differentiates it. It's explicitly stated uh, monetary policies. It's confidentiality or pseudonymity. It's the fact that it's, it's hard money, right? So it's, it's,
1: it's not that it's... What if Switzerland launched one? They would be the perfect people, the neutral country. Switzerland
0: prints money left and right, you know, every time... But that's
1: only because everyone trusts... Swiss- so I, I've lived in... So everyone trusts Switzerland so much. The reason why they're printing so much money is the Swiss currency is overly inflated based off of where it should be. So they can print money, swap it to euros, wait for it to go back down and make a 40% return immediately. Right,
0: right. So, so like what I'm saying is that economic policies that are sort of hard-coded in at the protocol level that can't be changed by anyone on a whim, like that is not going to fly. And, you know, that the second it doesn't fly, like what's the difference between Tether or Gemini's US dollar token or some of these stable coins and some government fiat currency. Like there's none except sort of the governmental fiat currency will probably track you and uh, there'll be no confidentiality and you'll be required to like dial home to spend it and uh, you'll have to authenticate certain addresses and uh, and, and you'll have to be on whitelists in order to spend your money and they can seize it at any time and like all like all the stuff they need to do to be compliant with laws.
1: So like they just they they can't it's I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying that people pretty much just throw away their privacy for another cat picture. It's kind of what I've seen. And it's it's disappointing. Yeah, not the of not not uh, obviously not the crypto movement. People are very, very right. secure with what they're doing. But in terms of general population, it's uh, troublesome to say the yeah, least. I, I,
0: yeah yeah I'm just saying I, I don't think what I think you know regardless of the underlying technology I just can't see a government like in order for someone to switch from thing A that they've traditionally used like whatever incumbent product they've they've been using to something new I think it has to be at least 10x better and I just don't understand what would be 10x better about USD coin versus what's happening in the bank right now because I don't think the I don't think the US government like as a product organization could create a cryptocurrency that's notably better than what's happening right
1: now. I would agree with that. I don't I don't know if they would have to though just like the history of marketing VHS 1 over Betamax. But it, it's a, it's, it's a no point. We'll we'll see how it plays out. I'm curious as well. I very much hope that it goes the non-governmental route. I'm very much there with you. I'm just not sure.
0: No, like what's the difference? So they, they, they create USD coin. What's the difference between that and what's in, in your bank? Like they can still inflate it. They can still Nothing's, diff- uh, nothing's different, but right
1: now everyone's fine with fiat, yeah. except for people that understand what it actually is, which is a small percentage. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah, and like I think you have to be a forward, a pretty forward-thinking company to or or product organization to create products that like disrupt what you're already doing. So like it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool that uh, Apple created the iPhone to disrupt the i the iPod, and uh, you know they they created the iPad, which you know disrupted other parts of their business. Like largely, I think mobile has disrupted you know much of their desktop business. You know for for Apple, but you I think you have to be willing to like create the evil twin version of whatever you're doing that could just crush it right so like if you're creating um you know luxury brand A, then you need to create super like whatever's going to disrupt that uh so um so the only way for a government to create a token that can appreciate more than the value of USD that isn't just absolutely pegged to the value of uh USD is is for them to do something that's like for them to create a token that's willing to disrupt USD and I, I just don't see them doing it because now you've got to like figure out how you're going to denominate stuff at the governmental level. You have to figure out like taxes. You have to figure you know, you've got two uh, quote currencies for everything you're doing. You have to denominate in, in, in two different ways. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I just, you know, I think there's lots of, uh, there are some governments that innovate more than others, but usually the most innovative governments are not the largest ones. Like it's it probably it'll
1: come from Estonia. Someone it's, with like less paperwork. Know. How have you seen? Uh, how have you seen the uh, internet industry change? You've been involved for quite a while now.
0: Uh, how have I seen the internet industry change?
1: Like software, like startups, or just overall the the feel for the internet early on today, where we're headed? How have we seen the changes? Where do you see us headed? Not just for decentralization, but overall.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really that's a really interesting question. I think one of the most interesting developments is just the internet of things like the internet it it the internet was a long was around for a long time before you could like hail a cab with it <laughs> you know there was tcpip and the html and css and javascript and like all these startups and uh like you know when you think about the internet coming out in the the 80s and it takes all the way you know like 40 years later you can hail a cab right or like 35 years later you can hail a cab or list your house on airbnb it, it took a long time for this stuff to in, insert itself into real world objects, and I think there's a parallel there, there to, um, to to the blockchain space, right? Like most of what's interesting with cryptocurrencies is just that, like you can trade it, and there's liquidity. And when I see people being like, "Yeah, we're gonna do blockchain for sub, you know, for like supply chain management," it's like, man, we can't even. We don't even have a decentralized domain name service yet. Like we don't even have decentralized storage that works. Like we don't have all these sort of digitally native things working yet and uh and 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 you think you're gonna do something with this new tech that interacts with like physical objects in the real world like we're we're really 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 far away from that in uh in my opinion yeah, we still need to build out all the pipes yeah the
1: the road the roads the bridges we need the bridge builders before we have the the skyscrapers
0: yeah i think another another thing that's happening is um I think it's actually. I don't think it happened until like maybe the last 12 to 24 months where it's actually been feasible to be super productive as a remote worker. Like where the, the, the sort of what it, what it costs you in like kind of lower communication with the rest of your team hasn't been too burdensome. So I don't know if do you, do you still get on hangouts with people and like their connection isn't good or the audio doesn't work or.
1: If it's Skype. Yeah.
0: yeah, If it's Skype, I mean like voiceover P voice over IP still isn't Figured out, so yeah, I think you really you can really suffer by not being you know in a in a high in in the high bandwidth connection that is existing with someone in in in, meatspace in real time. But uh, I think it's actually starting to get to a place where where you you know you don't have to be in San Francisco or wherever your company wants you to be, and you can actually work from home and be be really productive. And I, I don't think that was true three years ago. I, I think it's it's just now starting to happen. So. That's interesting. I, you know, this is kind of a difficult question for me to answer because I, I feel like it's, uh, it's like asking a fish who's lived in the ocean, like, you know, how, how has water changed over time? You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. so native to the space that uh, thinking about sort of the, the medium that is sort of the connective tissue of the Internet, it's, it's getting harder and harder for me to do uh, probably every year.
1: It's definitely become much more of a big boys game. Oh, you mean on the the business side? The business side, the platform side, the the control over attention and eyeball side. Oh, I see.
0: Yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. So we've got you Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, the the fame companies, and and like those are the biggest companies in the world now, right? Like that wasn't true, or I guess Apple uh, is in that. You know that that wasn't true five years ago. So yeah, I, I think I think there was this idea. That the internet would democratize um, you know, the, the ability to create a business and that like power wouldn't become more and more concentrated. And it has it has become concentrated, but I really see the decentralization that comes with blockchain technology as being the antidote to that. And although I think maybe more power is concentrated in like, you know, a handful of companies, I do think that the internet has unlocked the ability for a world-class Life coach, for example, or a world class welder, or a world class creator of shirting, uh, in the in the middle of a small town in the Midwest to earn a living. So I, I do think that the net has been far more positive than negative. It isn't the utopia that everyone thought it would be, but you know there are there are freelance writers who never would have the opportunity to write for a major publication that now are doing that as journalists. So I think. The benefits have been huge and have far outweighed the, the negative aspects of this.
1: Hey, Matt here. Without an internet as we know it today where creators are able to get their information out to the world, we wouldn't have Fringe FM. If you guys enjoy Fringe FM, I want to ask you right now, please take 30 seconds and leave a review. It's incredibly important for us. It helps us with getting the best possible guests on the program and expanding our reach so that we're able to reach more people with hopes of abundance and creating a better future. If you find what we do valuable, please visit fringe.fm slash iTunes and leave a review. You can also leave a review in any major podcasting app that you're using. Thanks so much for your time. And now we jump back to Clay. Absolutely. I, I like Kevin Kelly's definition, humanity is 51% good and 49% bad. So every year we get about 2% better. Just looking at that, just looking at the differences.
0: Yeah. No, wait, wait. So my my, my favorite uh, quote about this, is uh, George Carlin, like people ask him about kids because he thinks people fetishize children. And uh, there's this cult of the child, like somehow children have to all be good. And he's like, yeah, children are like any other group of people. A few winners, a whole lot of losers. <laughs> so... I like it like yeah, it's like it's like any other demographic, yeah, and uh, I'm going to stop now before I start saying things that could get me in trouble, actually.
1: No worries, no worries, we won't send this to the wife um, so uh, my next question for you what uh what technologies, what other areas outside of blockchain are you most excited about, and why
0: yeah I, I think uh, I, I don't really know, I don't really know uh, as a consumer, I really like the Internet of things, I like my my nest devices, I think what's happening with. Uh, autonomous cars and uh, autonomous vehicles is really cool. Like that's going to free up a whole lot of people's time who are commuting from place to place. And hopefully instead of, you know, taking cat photos or creating memes, like maybe they could get some more work done or, you know, write letters to their children or, you know, reflect on something. Right. So I think that's going to unlock a whole bunch of Productive energy. Hopefully, who knows? But I I really think something that isn't talked. Oh, I think another big thing are excess capacity marketplaces. So this is this is a big thing. So I mean, um, Airbnb is essentially an excess capacity marketplace, right? Like you've got inventory in your house. Maybe it's a room. It's not used most of the year, and now you can make money from that. Or you know, when you think about. uh, you know, people's closets are filled with clothes that they don't use, and there's no there's no liquidity around that clothing, right? It's just they've got excess capacity, and and there's nothing they can do with it, or autonomous vehicles. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, or or just like the the car you have, right? Now you can, yeah, you can sign up with with Uber and, and drive, and now sort of this this thing that was pretty intensive to acquire in the first place, and where there's like kind of quite a bit of capex associated with it 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 can actually be productively used and that means we don't have to have as many of them and you know we can save on resources so i'm 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 really i think the trend around excess capacity marketplaces is going to continue i think another big thing is just the ability to very inexpensively get access to tools like amazon web services right like you get access to like Serious computing power. Uh, I'm sorry, you get access to serious computing power and disk storage and like machine learning capabilities for you know essentially free if you're not deploying them at scale. And that's like that's unheard of. Uh, I mean, that is really pivotal in in the history of the world. Like the the fact that there are these computational like utility companies that offer things. Like computing power and database storage and machine learning like you, like you right now could stand up infrastructure that could rival you know the New York stock exchanges by just going to like maybe Microsoft Azure and standing up a a Cassandra instance right and that's absolutely amazing and empowering and uh I think unlocks a lot of just a lot of really great ideas. It's it it, it, it creates permissionless innovation. Yeah. So uh, those those are the things that come to mind.
1: you know, bringing the bringing the cost of starting a company down. It's come down ten, hundred x since the the early internet days, which has changed the venture landscape, changed the investing landscape. I know you do you do a fair bit of investing in funds, in crypto, in other things. I imagine as well. What are you focused on from a from an ROI type perspective? What do you look into? What are you most interested in as an investor?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm generally interested in diversifying. I'm a big believer in that. I think the, the biggest opportunity for growth far and away is, is just like the M2 money supply of the world, (laughs) which is at, uh, what is it? Is it around? No, it's more than that. Uh, that might be the M1 money supply it's in the teens. So M2 includes things like, uh, like money market accounts and and, uh, stuff that's a little bit harder to get to, but still there. So like what's bigger than M2 money supply? I guess the bond market is, so like debt markets are. So like, you know, as an investor, I'm really interested in these huge macro trends, like replacing the M2 money supply, replacing, you know, debt instruments and uh, owning a a piece of those those networks uh, indefinitely. So I, I I think that's like, that's probably the biggest opportunity outside of a company that you would start yourself that has the opportunity a thousand X or a hundred. I mean, it's like, it starts at nothing, then the ROI is infinite potentially. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just equity, debt markets, M2 money supply. It's what I'm most focused on. And what scares
1: you these days?
0: Um, It's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, I think that the world is becoming more polarized I think that leaders are becoming a little bit more um, authoritarian. I think you know, the ability to manipulate public opinion on platforms like Facebook and Twitter, like, it's becoming easier to do. So I think that there's kind of this race against time. I think we've got this centralized internet. And that can result in a lot of really bad things, if not properly monitored and regulated. And then I think we've got the decentralized internet, which is also going to produce a lot of bad and good things. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, is, 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 is fair. At least I hope it will be uh, in, in its decentralization, right? Or at least markets will function properly and there, aren't, there won't be government bailouts and stuff. So I guess I'm, I, I kind of see this race of the centralized internet against the decentralized internet. And I hope that the decentralized internet will like emerge victorious in a way that allows us to actually put resources behind the biggest problems in the world, like global warming and, uh, well, mostly global warming, but I I don't think the centralized, I think if the, I I think if the centralized internet persists, I think it's really going to be hard to make decisions in a way that actually allow us to solve collective active action problems like global warming. So like that's way out there, but I guess that's a fear.
1: It is, but it isn't. I think that's I think that's a fear of a lot of people that have thought about this well. I have two last questions for you, and then sure. it's dinner time, I hear. Sure. So question one if you had to invest 50% of your net wealth in one asset, one specific thing, it can be Bitcoin, US dollar, or Amazon, you name it, what would it be and why?
0: Oh, I mean it would absolutely be Bitcoin. It, it it would absolutely be Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh it's 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 the hardest store value that I know of. It's got the biggest uh, developer pool, the biggest sort of the largest network effects. I mean, there's more people thinking about that than any other like single, you know, it's the largest coordinated uh, fintech effort in the world right now. It's the, it's, it's the world's largest uh, network in terms of compute power. Uh, so I, I put it into Bitcoin. Um, in terms of you asked about fears, uh, I'll, I'll just circle back to that too. I think AI, I think knowing what's going to happen with AI is, is a big fear. Like where, where is that going to go? Uh, I I already am starting to feel kind of obsolete as a, as a human, like it's, it's kind of a far out statement to say, but like when I interact with certain types of AI, it's very clear to me that, you know, I have short-term memory and it decays really fast and it's pretty faulty. And, uh, like my ability to think straight and think productively like ebbs and flows and I need sleep. And uh, so like, I think about my children and like, how, how are we going to integrate with AI? Cause I think that's probably the, the most likely scenarios that we, we integrate with it. And uh, I hope, I hope as we integrate with it, that we still find a way to enjoy things like uh, nature and uh, breezes and uh, the feeling of the sun against our skin. And uh, like these, all these little moments, I, I, I hope, uh, I hope we aren't so like drugged up with the dopamine rushes of, uh, constant notifications and unlimited yeah uh, unlimited uh hits of whatever we want um that like i I hope we don't lose the ability to sort of stand back and gain perspective on what's happening and and uh and i hope we i hope we we do
1: i hope we merge with ai the right way not the wrong way and i don't even know what those are i think when people become overly productive they lose the ability to be creative and to be happy. I think there's something tied to creativity and happiness, I would argue. I think productivity and creativity are inversely related. So you can't be very creative while you're very productive. You can't be very productive while you're very creative. They're diametrically opposed. So I think, think AI is quite exclusive? good at productivity. You think they're mutually exclusive? I think they're mutually exclusive. You don't think creative just acts look at- are productive? No, not at all. Usually when they're doing something, they're not trying to do something. They just feel the need to do it. It doesn't fill something. And I think you could I think you could backdate it and say, wow, that was really productive. You worked really hard on that piece of art, but you produced a piece of art that's kind of it has no meaning except for the meaning that people take from it. So that that's kind of how I think about things. Yeah. I think AI will be very good at the productivity side of things. I think humanity, at least for a while, will be the creativity side of things, which will be a, a major flip from where we've been yeah. in uh, I th- I think, recent years. I think we're
0: probably just defining creativity differently. I think, you know, I know someone who writes you know, beautiful algorithms and, and they, uh, they are productive. And, uh, like I, I have a background as a writer and I think what I do when I write is very productive, you know, for my business. So I, I, I don't know.
1: I, I, I get the dichotomy, but, uh, I guess for me, productive is more rote tasks, Okay, but sure. it, it uh, is what it is. Sure. And- our last question yeah. our last question because apparently the twins have dinner and this is yeah. very important you got to get back to uh the the all important and i imagine incredibly hard it's got to be really hard raising twins how did you pull that off you seem like a zen dude
0: uh yeah i mean uh like we we just have really, like really so my wife is amazing and uh we we have really great help and uh and we have resources and i think that makes all the difference in the world like i can't imagine doing this as a single parent with um you know, in a low income scenario, so a lot of the stressors aren't there. We're really blessed.
1: That's awesome. Last question: What's one thing you want to leave people with? It can be a quote, a statement, a call to action, anything.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So this is probably on the on the more like woo woo side, but uh, I think I think that uh, motivation is overrated. Uh, I think I think it's it's wise to instead instead of thinking about like what you ought to be doing. I think it's better to start thinking about what you can't not do. You know, like um, if, if uh, you know, if you, if, if you could do anything in the world, you know, what, what, what can you not, you know, what can you can't not do? I, I don't know how to, I, but that's, that's what I would think about is um, yeah, is, is just sort of where you're inherently drawn. Um, All of the obsession. Yeah. I mean, like you're just a lot more productive when you're focused on things that you're inherently interested in, like you don't have to think about productivity anymore. It's just sort of like what, where you're naturally inclined. So that's what I'd encourage folks to think about it. You know, it comes from a very like kind of privileged position and there's lots of people get up in the morning and um, like, I'm not going to argue for other people's limitations, but like their set of options are pretty limited. And uh, I just say, you know, like expand your set of options <laughs> as much as you can incrementally. But um, no, I don't, I don't know that I know a lot about life. Uh, You know, I'm just kind of doing my best, and um, I'd say, uh, yeah, don't don't try and hack your motivation. You know, skip all the planners and the timers and the crazy. You know, getting things done, scheduling systems and note taking, whatnot, and morning routines and whatever ridiculous infrastructure people have installed to try and make themselves be productive. Like, make that go away, and and then think about like if I had to sit in a chair all day, and uh, like what would get me up, right? So, like at first probably what would get you up is like, you have to go to the bathroom, right? So like going to the bathroom is something that you can't not do, right? But then if you go and sit back down, like what would be the next thing? All right, you might have to eat at some point. So you, you can't not eat, you have to eat. But then like, maybe the next thing is um, you'd have a thought and you, you'd really have to write that down. Like you really, you can't stop yourself from, from writing that down. So follow that and, and see where it goes and uh, see where that kind of line of thinking uh, leads you. I think probably you said one, but I think the, sec- the second thing is really related. I-, I was really skeptical of meditation and then I started doing it every day and it changed my life. And um, there's no way to really explain what the impact is. Uh, there's fMRI studies and all that. People overcomplicate it. Just set a timer for like 15 minutes and sit somewhere. Like you don't even have to like, clear your mind or do anything. Just like sit with- without a phone, you know, in a quiet place and do it every day and see if awesome shit doesn't happen.
1: I would recommend find a guided meditation if it found, feels woo woo for a bit. Listen to that, headphones, close your eyes. And uh, pro tip: if you smile, because as your emotions all start to go away, the only thing that you have left is a smile, which triggers positive emotions internally without any ability to change them. But I I love what I love both of those. So basically, focus on being a happier person and focus on focus on your obsession. I think we're moving towards an era where people doing things for the purpose of manual, boring, pointless labor that no one else wants to do is going away pretty quickly. And only people that are going to succeed will be the ones who are able and willing to try something completely freaking outlandish that they're obsessed about doing because they'll be the ones that do it and do it best. That was very well said. Claire. Yeah,
0: well, I, I also think there's like folks who obsess about really rote things and they really enjoy it, like uh, m- making sushi or growing trees or, you know, what, whatever, whatever that thing is. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur because uh, I can't really do anything else. But uh, I think there are people that turn, you know, they make being a librarian into an art or drawing, driving a cab. I think uh, I think happiness can be found in like really small places and uh, or big places. Who who am I to sort of size what those things are, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: It certainly doesn't come from items, though. Yeah. Clay, thanks so much for coming on. It's been uh, it's been a ton of fun. Where's the best place for people to find you? To learn more.
0: Oh, probably Twitter. Just uh, at Clay Collins
1: on Twitter. Awesome. I, I was remembering you as CDC on some reason for Twitter. So I was trying to tag you for something. And then oh, yeah, the Center for Disease Control was popping up. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> awesome. Funny. We'll All throw right. links and everything in the show notes, guys. Fringe FM. Fringe.fm. Thanks again, Clay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Listener, before you go, if you like Fringe FM, consider making a tax deductible donation to support our mission. Yes, you heard that right. tax deductible Fringe FM is fiscally sponsored by a registered 501c3 nonprofit focused on advancing science worldwide. This means you can write off your donation for tax purposes and possibly even get your employer to match the donation, all of which would dramatically boost the level of good we can do in the world and the quality of the show that we can produce. To learn more about supporting Fringe FM and whether your gift would qualify to reduce your taxes, please visit fringe.fm/give. If you care about our mission, please support our efforts. You are literally deciding whether or not we can continue and how much of an impact we can make. Again, that's fringe.fm/give to learn more and support our cause. Thank you. If you want more of Fringe FM, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to fringe.fm where you'll find tons of audio and video interviews with leaders in the fields of genetics, cryptocurrency, longevity, AI, space, VR, and much, much more. And you can follow me on Twitter at It's Matt Ward. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review in iTunes to help more people discover Fringe FM.